Good morning. I see a bunch of you doing this right here. Look, y'all give Paul a break. He's working hard on, aren't you, Paul? He said something about there being a lot of hot air coming from the pulpit. So that hadn't even preached yet. So good to see everybody. We're starting a new series called Go for the Gold. It's all going to be out of Hebrews chapter 12. Verses uh, 1 through 3, 4, right in that section. And so at this time, I'm going to ask uh, Taylor Mayfield, uh, he's our summer intern with the youth ministry, to come up, Taylor, and uh, read a, a scripture for us there, please. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen. By the way, if you haven't met Taylor, stay right here for a second. Look, he's done a great job. I've heard nothing but good stuff out of camp, and you know the preacher hears everything, right? But I'm telling you, uh, uh, I know he's just done an excellent job out at camp as well as interning here with our youth ministry. I don't know. How many, how many, much more time you got with us? A few more weeks. A few more weeks. And uh, we need good young men who have a heart for ministry, and we need to encourage these young men as they grow in the Lord. And tell you, I just want to personally thank you for what you've done, and keep up the good work, brother. Y'all get a chance to encourage this young man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate your prayers while we were gone to, uh, to the uh, Nicaragua for our uh, uh, mission trip. Uh, there were a group of, I think, 28 of us. And, you know, it's always an adventure. And then when you go with Gordon, it becomes a bigger adventure. Uh, and so uh, uh, we had a lot of great times. But I'll tell you, the church there is doing so well. And, look, uh, we uh, uh, met with the church. We were on the radio with our world radio program there. I just did a number of things. And I'm telling you... Uh, the, the brothers there just, they inspire me. And I was reminded of, of this verse that we're working out of, out of uh, Hebrews chapter 12, because it says that we're surrounded by a cloud, a great cloud or host of, of witnesses. Uh, now, this is this figurative speak, uh, uh, speaking of like people all around cheering us on in this race that's being run. Uh, but really, it's more about their witness. It's really more about them and their faith and action of their life that uh, bore witness to the power of God and all the things that he accomplished when they submitted themselves to him. And so uh, this series is going to be talking about some of those kinds of things. And today, we're going to talk about uh, inspiration. You know, stories of faith, courage, determination, conviction, passion, they all inspire us. Uh, and, and people of faith inspire us, right? Uh, this week, um, uh, we, uh, I had the privilege to uh, uh, be with a group of our folks together with Gary Myers. Uh, Gary led worship here for a number of years. And uh, Gary and Tommy and uh, a couple of others, we used to sing in a singing group together also. And so we got to be together. And we, uh, as a whole crew, I was just worshiped and praised 
uh, God together. Now look, uh, Gary, as many of you know, we prayed for him time and time again. Gary's battling cancer. But what I love about Gary is his conviction to keep appealing to God and his faith in God. Uh, uh, but when I very first time I met Gary, we instantly just started swapping songs and singing and uh, uh, doing things together. And as we got to be friends, we would pray together. And he taught me a lot about prayer. Uh, and he taught me a lot about study. You know, this is a guy who he had memorized, when I first met him years ago, he'd memorized the book of Philippians. He memorized the book of James, a host a lot of other scriptures. I wish he could have been here today uh, with us, uh, uh, but they already headed back to Nashville. But uh, we prayed together, just sitting outside on the edge of the street. And his prayers were so intense with so much conviction. It inspired me. And seeing him again laughing and a little bit of crying and being together, fellowship with the brother, uh, uh, singing together again, it was inspiring. And those kinds of stories of faith and people who are living it out loud and on purpose, they inspire us, do they not? And so uh, not only his story, but when we look at this text, there's a whole group of people in Hebrews chapter 11 that really connect to this verse uh, first verse in chapter 12. This cloud of witnesses, they uh, cheer us on and they show the power of faith and what God does. The One of the first things you notice about them is that faith enables us to see the invisible. Now, uh, we're made in the image of God, right? So when we're made in the image of God, it's different than all other kinds of creation. We're different. Human beings are different. We have an, remember image, and imagine, what? Come on, get with me now. Imagine, somebody finish that. Well, thank you, brother. Somebody finish that word. Imagination. We can see things that aren't physically there. We can dream up things to accomplish. We can, God made us that way. This faith principle, that's a God-like quality. This faith principle of trusting in the unseen. Look, we see the invisible by faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, he said, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And this is what the uh, ancients or the elders of, or the old were commended for their faith. So you see, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Isaac, by faith, Moses, by faith, Noah, all these folks that are listed in this chapter of a hall of fame kind of a thing of faith, and the great things that God did through them. One of the things that they could see the invisible. In, in verse 27 of Hebrews 11, it says, By faith, talking about Moses, he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. You and I need to learn by faith to see the invisible. What do you see when you look at this church? I mean, do you see... That in the future, a couple hundred more people? Do you see 500 more people? Do you see three, four services with thousands of people? What do you see? What do you see out of the university work? There's 175 or so over there this morning. I went and worshiped with a great, worship, great group of folks that are working for the Do you see that becoming 
500 and 800 and 1,000 and then reaching to that college campus and reaching those foreign students who go back to their countries, their communities, and their village taking the gospel. Can you see the invisible? Can you see that God works and wants to accomplish those kind of great things? We need those kinds of eyes. In Hebrew, in the book of Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a time when Elisha is gathered around there and the army has surrounded his town to take him captive. And the Bible says his servant walks out the door and sees the armies of the enemy, and he's scared. And Elisha prays to God, God, open his eyes. And when God opens the eyes of the servant, he looks around, all of a sudden he sees a heavenly host of soldiers, and he sees chariots of fire around Elisha. And all of a sudden he can see the invisible, and he's more confident. Hebrews 1 says there are angels ministering to those who will inherit the kingdom of God. That's you and me. We need to learn to see the invisible. We need to know that there's a host of God's army around us to accomplish great things. We, look, we either see the invisible with fear or faith. And Satan loves to take advantage of your imagination. So I'm a little kid. I'm laying in bed. It's dark. Couldn't go to sleep. You know how noises all of a sudden just pop up from nowhere in the dark? And then we had the old, we had the old attic fan going. You know, it was back in the good old days when there wasn't air conditioning. Uh, you know, I'm not much on the good old days. I kind of like it now. We turn that thing on, you know. And uh, the fan was uh, fan was blowing, and it was dark, and the wind was blowing, and I, I saw something go right by the window. And then I heard something brush up against the side of the house. And then your mind starts working, you know. And you start listening for something else. And you start, and all of a sudden I see something else. Well, come to find out, you know, the wind's blowing. There's a tree out there and a branch keeps running down by the screen and just every now and then. And that's all it was. Satan loves to make you see and fear in your mind. And sometimes we start doing something to grow for the Lord. People just want, they want to see fear about the future. They don't want to see faith. Well, Mike, what are we going to do? What's going to happen if this happens? What about this? Well, we can't do that. And there's this fear that captivates us because Satan takes advantage of the, your imagination on the bad side and creates fear. But I say we look by faith and say, look, you've got to see what God can accomplish through great things, through people who just have a mustard seed faith. It's with certainty. It's without fear. We need to be able to see the invisible. Now, these folks in this passage of faith, they did something else. You see, faith enables us to do the impossible. With commitment, confidence, conviction. In Hebrews eleven twenty nine, By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. Impossible. You can't go across a river on dry land. Yet by faith they did. By faith the walls of Jericho fall. All the people that marched around. Just, I just marched around the thing and the walls just fall in. That's impossible. But by faith you do the impossible. And with conviction. Look here in this next section. Verse 32 of Hebrews 11. What more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was 
turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead. Remember the Shunammite woman? Remember that story? Raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They, desired, they uh, wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground. That's what these people endured because they believed in God and had faith that he would accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. That's what we need. We need people who see the invisible and who, by faith, do the impossible. They had that conviction. They had passion and a purpose. It was men like Rabbi Duncan, who was on his deathbed in a hospital. And they brought a sailor in, and the sailor, no one could understand him. He spoke a language no one had heard. And this man gets up on his elbows, getting off his deathbed, said, I will learn his language, and I will teach him Jesus. That kind of commitment. The commitment, like Francis Xavier, who uh, was a lecturer from a university, went to the Far East to preach and to share his faith. He rarely slept more than four hours a night. He'd take a night job on a ship, just to, uh, uh, working on loading it, just to get with the workers so he could give them, give them Jesus. He's credited with bringing millions to faith. He died of a fever on the mission field while he was anxiously waiting to get in for the doors to open for him to get into China. Or it's like that professor who was sitting at his desk one night and he'd, he looked in a trash can that had been a wadded up, thrown away uh, magazine from a missionary society and he reads on it about the impoverished, needy people in Africa. And he writes in his diary, My search is over. And with that, Albert Schweitzer took his three doctorate degrees, one in theology, one in music, and one in medicine, and he wore himself out for the rest of his life to minister to the impoverished in Central Africa. It's those kind, that kind of commitment, that kind of passion. It's that kind of conviction and faith that ends up doing what to many seem to be Impossible. His name was Bill McPherson. He's handling dynamite one day. And after the explosion, he loses his hands as well as his eyesight. Well, he had heard of a lady over in Europe who learned to read Braille with her lips, and he thought, I'm going to I'm going to try that. So he gets the braille in front of him, but his lips had damage too from the explosion. The nerve endings were messed up, so he couldn't do that. But he noticed he could feel the letters with his tongue. So he worked hard day after day learning letter by letter, braille alphabet with his tongue. Some days to the point his tongue was bleeding. And he learned to read braille with his tongue. And within his lifetime from that point on, he read the Bible, entire Bible, through four times with his tongue. And I can't even get through a night sometime without falling asleep. Right? 
That kind of drive and passion and persistence because there's a purpose I need that's greater than everything around me. That's what we need in God's church today. We need men and women who can see the invisible God who accomplishes great things. And we need to understand that the impossible can happen when we put faith in God our Father. And the end is we inherit the imperishable. You know, they said here in Hebrews 11 that these guys didn't do it to gain a country that was one they would go back to. That's what they wanted. They'd go back to their own country. They longed. They had a longing for a country that they hadn't been to yet. I love the old song, Beulah Land. You know, it says, I'm kind of homesick. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. Don't get scared. I'm kind of homesick for a country to which I've never been before. That kind of longing is what we need in our hearts. I find myself too many times longing for just the temporary things and satisfaction in this old life. But we need to raise up and have a great longing in our heart for that country that we've never been to before. That place with God. And that's what these guys said. Now I want you to look at something. This, this, look at this last verse in, 11, in chapter 11, the last two verses. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for... Anybody got their Bible open? For who? Us. Not them. All of us. So that only together with us would they be made perfect. You see, they've run their race and they've handed off the baton to us and now we're running our race, right? And we run it with with being inspired by their faith and what God has done through them. But when we still all anticipate something, it'll never be complete till we're all of our forever family is together at that time when Jesus comes back again. So that's when it'll really take place. So even these folks that have run are still anticipating being made perfect together with all of us. We have to do it together. We need each other when we run this race. We need each other's help. We need each other's encouragement. We need to be others to pick us up when we're down, when we get a pain in life, when we go through a tough time, when we're hurt. We need one another to pick us up and keep us on track running the race that is before us. It's a forever family thing that we gain the imperishable. And it's by faith. How's your faith today? See, I think there are a lot of churches full of a lot of people who are religious. I'm not sure there's a lot full of this kind of convicting faith that just says, I don't care what gets them. Look, nations, things that go on in our nation, things that go on around our world, things that people fret about and worry about. I'm telling you, we've got an invisible host and army around us, and the people of faith will be victorious, regardless of what happens in our politics or our nation or our economy or any other nation, as far as that goes. God's kingdom is going to come out on top. 
We're going to have victory. But while we run that race, we need the encouragement and the positive. And look, there's somebody calling to encourage you right now. We need the encouragement. We need inspired by stories of people who have passion. When you do, you think about the Olympics. Four years of training to get to a spot. Look, it's not about capturing that medal as much as it is about the kind of person you become while you do that. Four years to train. We need encourage. We need inspiration from those who have a passion and persistence. Well, let's just just watch this video. <laughs>
when you don't give up, you never fail. Got it? So even in our pain, when we're hurt, we throw our head on the shoulder of our Father and we finish the race. And when you do that, you inspire the brothers and sisters and you help us reach the world. Father, we love you. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for well, giving us strength when we're weak. Thank you, Father, for your word that inspires us. Help us to keep a clear purpose. Help us to have a conviction and a commitment to the good news of Jesus and getting it to as many people as possible before this whole world comes to an end. We need your help. Thank you, Father, for Jesus in his name. Amen. If you want in on that kind of family, that's what the invitation's about. If you have a need, come while we stand and sing.